0: listening to the Broadcast Basement On-Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast! In the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com Welcome to episode 40 of Sentimental. How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? I don't know. But some
1: people without brains do an awful lot of talking.
0: Then
2: why don't you kiss me
1: like everybody else does?
3: How about no? The thing is, Bob, it's not that I'm lazy... It's that I just don't care. I came here like this so you'll know my word of death is
1: true. And that my word of life is then true.
0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Movie Podcast that we can only hope you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy making. My name is Stephen Hovicki and as always I'm here with my co-host Asan Godwin and Latham Conger III. Our guest today is New York based graphic designer and illustrator known for his work as one of the founding members of the groundbreaking comic anthology Secret Identities and his own graphic t-shirt line under his own Epic Props brand. Currently working on his creator-owned graphic novel, The Monkey King, he has created work for numerous companies, publications, and foundations. Highlights include the NBPA, the Jeremy Lin Foundation, the World Journal, the New York Asian Film Festival, Aeropostale, and the Smithsonian Museum. In his spare time, he invests in the New York-based Taiwanese beef noodle shop, Ho Foods, and is trying to make his own, is that Baiju, like Kaiju? Baiju. Baiju. Jerry Ma, oh okay, Jerry Ma, welcome to Sentimental. What's up, guys? <laughs> well, I mean, it's good that you're uh, you're taking advantage of this downtime to really relax and do nothing. So, <laughs> uh, yeah,
2: I was gonna make a joke about I mean, the same thing. Jock, like, huh? So, he, so he hasn't been, so he hasn't been busy. Yeah. <laughs> No, not he's, at all. He's been he's been he's been riding this uh, pandemic out on his sofa.
4: <laughs> well, I know
2: Jerry.
0: Jerry's on a little bit of a clock, so we're going to jump right into uh, yep, yep. the short amount of, uh, of of little tidbits that I have. So uh, I just found out there is a new documentary coming from the guys who did the Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary. So they've announced their next uh, documentary subject, and it is Stone Cold Steve Austin. And that makes me very happy. I think that'll oh, be. Wow. I think that'll be a tremendous, uh, tremendous uh,
2: project. They're gonna they're gonna do a, a doc about him or wrestling in in and of itself in, in the kind of depth that they did for the NBA. I think it's gonna focus last on game. him,
0: which probably says it's gonna be a movie and not a series.
2: Oh, okay. But well, still, uh, I mean, I don't know. That can't be anything but interesting. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, fascinating. Yeah, he, he. The last pants.
4: Probably. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Is Steve Austin the guy that like actually brought a can of whoop ass?
2: <laughs> yeah. No, he's the one. He's the guy. Which every yeah. time he moves his arm, and then he has that eye that sees like. Oh a, boy. That, um, wow! Wow! You're <laughs> you're stepping on Latham's toes here, son. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's that was that's pretty good, man. I'm feisty tonight. I'm, no, I'm Steve feisty Austin over. was
0: the John. was the uh, the John three
2: sixteen beer cans and. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, Stone Cold, Stone Cold. That's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. <laughs> there you go. Uh
0: over the over the Halloween weekend, Doug Jones he uh he revealed some details about uh Guillermo del Toro's unproduced Frankenstein film, which having heard that just really bummed me out because uh that would have been amazing so apparently when when uh when doug went into he was going for i can't remember if it was if he was going in for shape of water fittings or if this was prior to that but he was going in for some kind of fitting at the effect shop and he goes hey don't he guys don't say anything I i didn't i want to show you this and apparently they had already started building off of doug's uh body cast uh, prosthetics and stuff for the Frankenstein, what would have been the Frankenstein basically bodysuit for Del Toro's version of Frankenstein. And he had essentially, for those of you who know it, uh, he had modeled his Frankenstein off of Wrightson's Frankenstein. So it would have been a, a visual realization of Bernie's version of Frankenstein, that very gaunt, you know, very distended rib cage, you know, in the face. That, oh my oh. God. I just. Yeah, I, yeah. I can't even imagine how cool that would have been. And it was just yeah. I heard that story and I was so bummed out. On the heels of uh of the 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 weekly What's Old Is New again uh material, uh we're getting word that apparently there have been talks for a sequel to the movie Dog Soldiers. And if any of you have ever seen the movie Dog uh-huh. Soldiers, it is a excellent werewolf film of which I'm a big fan. So the idea of getting a sequel 15 or 20 years after the fact sounds great to me because they just announced that neil jordan uh, neil jordan just announced his next film so uh
3: did he which direct is... the original
0: yes no i'm sorry neil marshall neil marshall
3: just yeah, say it's
0: not neil jordan neil marshall
3: he did neil jordan did do a werewolf film though right My...
0: yeah he did company of wolves
3: oh yeah that was awful
0: uh <laughs> i agree and along the in the veins of the halloween 2018 reboot of going back and doing a, a direct sequel to the original, ignoring everything else that came after. Um, the creator of Fright Night has announced he's working on a script to do a true sequel to Fright Night that would ignore, I believe would ignore Fright Night, the old Fright Night 2 as well. Uh, and it would just oh, go str- it would straight off the original with uh, as many of the original actors as are still around, obviously, because Roddy's gone. But Yeah. And then uh, the last little bit I have is super exciting. Was just announced that Ty West just announced his new horror film, uh, his first film since 2016's In a Valley of Violence. Ty West can do no wrong in my eyes as an independent filmmaker. And I, for one, am very excited about it. And Latham won't be happy, but it's coming through A24.
3: Okay. How many films has he done? Seven. Okay. Never heard of him.
0: Well, that's because you're not a. Big horror guy, but he did a no, no. He, he did uh, he did a, a he did a couple huge of
3: horror guy. Know he
0: well, he did a couple of smaller films, and then he did in the House of the Devil, and he did the Innkeepers, and he did the Sacrament, which are all amazing. And then he did a Western okay. called In the Valley of Violence with Ethan Hawke. And, That's uh, a good one. And and, okay. and since and since then he's been doing uh, he's been working on TV stuff. And, What's
3: his uh, new movie called?
0: X. Not not giving a lot away. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
3: You know what the sequel of that movie should be called? Why? <laughs> well, I, I don't know for sure, but I, I'm just guessing. Yes. It is hopefully, why. it's
0: a, hopefully it's a trilogy. Okay. Uh, and then, as far as uh, suffering from consumption goes, uh, I watched a movie called Dead Con, a a British movie. I thought was going to be a horror film, turned out not to be, but it did turn out to be really, really interesting in the way that. When the movie ended, the main character travels through two different sort of—I don't want to say versions of his life—as he's kind of traveling through this film. But he's sort of one is supposed to be real, and one is supposed to be fantasy. And you get to the end, and you can't really tell which one is which. So probably the point. Are you maybe sure
3: that wasn't sliding doors with. Uh... <laughs> Ben Affleck or
0: whatever, right? And uh, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah.
3: Okay.
0: But uh, I watched uh, I watched another Bob, an older Bob Clark film called Murder by Decree, which is Sherlock Holmes hunting down Jack the Ripper, which was uh, a lot of fun. I watched a terrible asylum film called Arctic Apocalypse, and uh, I watched in conjunction with uh, one of our films this week. I watched the original Five Deadly Venoms. Which thing? Oh. Oh, listen, uh, I got to tell you, you know, I've, I've seen enough of the Shaw Brothers stuff to know what I'm getting into when I when I get into it. The thing is, is I think the knock that happens for the most part on that era of, of kung fu movies is I think people generally don't think that there's much to them. They just think there's they don't think there's much story to them. And the one thing I did really enjoy about that film and obviously the the film that follows that we'll be dealing with later. Uh, The stories were very dense. I mean, there was a lot of stuff packed in there. It wasn't just, it wasn't just a to B, you know, and then throw in a bunch of, a bunch of fights.
4: Yeah. I actually think they were quite well written. The only, the real problem with all those films is they were shooting them in like a month. Yeah. Yeah. They, They were, you know, they were like banging them out and just taking advantage of the core group of actors that they had. Yeah. And just trying to crank out as much, material as they possibly could, you know, uh, which is the real crime there. Cause if they would have just taken a little more time to flush things out, <laughs> slow it down a little, you know, and, and set the pace a little better. The writing was actually good. The, the acting was good enough. I think if they would have had some more time, it would have been, you know, good. Uh, the, you know, the costumes were great. Uh, the scenery was great. It's just, sometimes it was just a little too fast, but that did lend
0: to the charm of it all, you know, at the end of the day. Absolutely. The, I, I, uh, the, the one nice thing, I mean, I don't know if uh, where you're at Jerry, if you have L Ray network on uh, your oh, cable. Yeah. Okay. Cause Hassan does not. So, um, but uh, you know, every, every Saturday and Sunday morning for, you know, for a long time there, they were running for like a four hour block of uh, Shaw brothers films. So I would, I would catch stuff on and off and uh, I'll, uh, I'll get to more about that later. Uh, and then I rewatched spotlight again. And uh, I finally watched uh, Going Clear, uh, the Scientology movie. Uh, oh, yeah.
4: Wow. Scientology I re- movie?
0: <laughs> well, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. It, that's, that's old, though. I mean, that's old. It is. Oh, the God, thing correct. is, I, I, want, I wanted to watch, so there's three seasons of the Leah Remini HBO series, and I wanted to, or I'm sorry, not HBO. It's on Netflix, maybe. But I wanted to jump into the Leah Remini series, but I knew that I'd never seen Going Clear, so I hunted down Going Clear and watched that so I can jump into the Leah Remini series. We're going to jump straight into Jerry's uh, feature pick, and that would be Big Trouble in Little China. This is Jack Burton in the Pork Chop Express, and I'm talking to whoever's listening out there. It's a pretty amazing planet we live on here, and a man would have to be some kind of fool to think we're all alone in this universe. There is a hidden world where ancient evil weaves a modern mystery yes. they call it little china
2: finally we shall bring the order out of chaos
0: it's where big trouble was waiting for jack burton who jack burton me jack 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 somebody i don't care who tell me what is going on this is gonna take cracker jack timing way one two three you may be
3: trapped you ready jack i was
0: born ready jack. jack burton's coming to rescue your summer hey what more can a guy ask for 20th century fox presents john carpenter's big trouble in little china it's all on the reflexes 1986 directed by John Carpenter with a running time of 99 minutes. A truck driver helps his buddy try and rescue his kidnapped fiance. When things become even more complicated and he's introduced to the secret underworld of Chinatown and Chinese black magic, he must use every available wit he has to survive. Jerry, why Big Trouble in Little China?
4: You know, so it's, it's as an Asian American, that movie takes on special meaning because when that film first came out, it was being, um, Chinese people didn't want it to come out. So they, they thought it was extremely racist and uh, wow. they wow. were trying to boycott the film. They, they were literally blocking off entrances to movie theaters that played that film. Wow. All these years later, turns out it's to this day, still like maybe the best representation for Asian people. <laughs> 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 you know? Like there's Asian people doing cool things, not just like the women aren't just sex slaves and the guys aren't just tech nerds, you know? They're, they're right. actually... It's, it's the classic thing of yeah. people protesting something they haven't seen. Well, I mean, I, I get it because they were afraid that it was going to make Asian people kind of just look like dumb thugs or something. Um, but... Right. Really, I'll, I will challenge you in the last... There's plenty of dumb white thugs, believe yeah. me. What, how, is that like almost 40 years now? What is it, 34 years or something like that? Yeah. Um, you know, how yeah. many films have that many Asian actors in it, A? And B. how yeah. many films... Um, have Asian, rich now. Asian, doing anything besides, like I said, just being a sex slave or a tech nerd, you know? I think <laughs> right. they're allowing Asian men to be gay on films now. At the very... <laughs> <laughs> and we're all the better for it. <laughs> you know, but like, that, that's the only film where, in since 86 till now, how many movies, after on TV shows, can you say you saw an Asian guy kiss an Asian girl? Besides Lost. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. It's, really, I mean, it's kind of about it. Nothing comes to mind. Even when I, I just watched, watched just... the Mulan uh, remake, well, not just watch, I watched that whenever it came out. Yeah. In the cartoon, the Mulan kisses the, the Asian guy. In the live action film, they do not kiss because like, for some reason, it's taboo for Asian guys to kiss Asian girls on film. So, uh, you know, that's crazy. Besides Lost, wow. I think the last movie to just show that was Big Trouble in Little China. Wow. Crazy little trivia fact for you there, you know? Yeah, no
0: kidding. I mean, I'm sure it has to. I mean, you're talking. Well, but I mean, it has to exist, those sequences
4: in, like Hong in Kong Chinese
0: Like Hong Kong films. <laughs> there are right. in, in
4: Japan, sure. But in America, here in America, it, there's really nothing. What about Crazy Rich Asians? Oh, okay, yeah, that's another one. Then, yeah, <laughs> that's one. <laughs>
3: that's it.
0: I was gonna say I, I that I just came
3: out a couple years ago. I couldn't so. speak to it. So there's three decades of gap where there haven't <laughs> been any, hasn't been anything. So, well,
4: oh, but when Lost came out, uh, it became such a big deal because Daniel Day Kim kissed the Asian girl. We were all like, "What the fuck?" Like, oh, Did that, that just happened, <laughs> you know. <laughs> What is happening? Yeah, so Big Trouble in Little China, you know, for me growing up, um, this, me and my younger brother were talking about this. And this is to put the perfect analogy to it. When Indiana Jones' Temple of Doom came out, no offense, guys. Every white boy watched that movie and they were like, I can be Indiana Jones. Oh, yeah, dude. Me yeah, and my buddies God. watched that movie and we had to be fucking the little Chinese kid. Oh. You know, like, that's who we yeah. had, you know? And it's fucking up. <laughs> So, like, why would I waste my time watching The Last Starfighter and all that bullshit? I'm going to watch. No, like, seriously, you know, I don't want to watch that horse shit. I'm going to watch fucking movies that I can relate to. And that's why I was drawn to Kung Fu movies. And I watched Saturday afternoon drive-in movie theater where, you know, I didn't get Spider-Man or or Superman or Batman. I got Kid with the Golden Arms. I got the Five Deadly Venoms. I got the Crippled Avengers, you know. Uh, Those were my superheroes, you know. Big Trouble in Little China, for me, the Three Storms, I mean, come on, man, that, you know, that, that that shit started Mortal Kombat, the video game and everything, you know, right. Um, those that that film to me still to this day, visually it's. I mean, it holds up. I don't care what anyone says, you know, um, the action is still good. The uh, I still love the character designs. I still love, you know, the Jack Burton walking into the, the freaking whorehouse with the glasses and everything still cracks me up. I've seen that movie like 200 times and it still makes me laugh, you know. And I, I, I still get excited to see the fight scenes and everything, you know, when uh they they blow the little red ball to torture, you know, Jack Burton and all <laughs> that, you know, just like everything about it's just fantastic, you know. Uh, sorry, I, I love that movie. No, 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 that's that. I, that's I, I'm I, I, agree. I, I, I'm
0: with you. I, I, I agree a hundred percent with everything you just said, other than the uh, aligning myself, obviously, with being Asian. <laughs> I, I, I love the movie just because I, I, it's one of those, it's that rare combination of it's got a lot of funny stuff in it that isn't necessarily there to be comedy, but it's funny because it's situational. And it's, Carpenter takes this opportunity to, to turn the classic sort of hero sidekick ideal and put it on its head a little bit. Because you have this, hunky bravado American guy. It completely fish out of watered in Chinatown and and, and, and over his head literally. And he's got his friend Wang who obviously knows the, knows the ropes far better than he does. And he's the one with all the confidence. He goes into all these situations and I'll take care of this. I'm you know, when I'm, you know, if we're not back by sun up, call the president, you know, all that kind of stuff. And yet, almost all the situations they get themselves into Wang is the one that gets them out of them. Like literally he is an inferior hero, but he gets out of it because of who he's with and because who he's partnered up with. And I mean, uh, yeah, he does get out of some of his own, some of his own jams, but for the most part, you find that most, especially initially, as soon as he gets into a thing, the first thing he does is either make a mistake or do something that causes. you know, I mean, shooting the gun up and, and, and the ceiling falls and knocks him out at the beginning of the, the big fight sequence at the end, you know? Or 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 when they get, you know, they're going to fight all the guys coming through the door and the first thing he does once he runs out of bullets is pull his knife out and throw the knife 15 feet away. And by the time he gets back, Wang has taken out all six of these other guys, you know? And it's it's like, he's like, he you know, other than the one big thing that needs to be done that he does, you know... <laughs> It's like everything else that happens is because of Wang. I
4: mean Kurt Russell, I, I I'm a I'm a huge Kurt Russell fan. So I, I just watched to Bone Tom off, too. Uh literally right before I came onto this uh nice this call with you guys. But I mean he nails the whole John Wayne thing in big trouble. Yes. <laughs> yes. Mean, he's just on top of it. And Wang Wang
0: is good. In as much as he was uh uh Clint Eastwood in Escape from New York, <laughs> he is he is very John Wayne yeah. here. He just
4: feels it, you know.
0: Well, which is funny because what I found out in my digging into this is uh, this movie was originally written as a Western. The original script written by uh, Gary Goldman and David Weinstein, it was a Western. And like his horse gets stolen, not his truck. And there's a whole, and, I, and basically what happened was is they, they brought this other guy in. This was the first script these guys had ever written. And basically at the end of the day, the studio decided they wanted to shift it to a modern setting. So they brought in this other writer, W. D. Richter, to rewrite the entire script. And at the end of you know at the at the by the end of the, at the end of the sh- the thing, you know they the studio wanted to take uh, Goldman and Weinstein's credits off because they you know they had basically rewritten the entire script from the bottom up. But uh, the WGA was like, yeah, you're not doing that. So that's why it's that's why it says adaptation by W. D. Richter, even though Richter essentially wrote the screenplay that we see on the screen other than some minor changes that John did himself. Funny story, and a funny thing about, uh, David Weinstein wouldn't write anything else, or at least not attached to anything else on IMDb. Gary Goldman would go on to write Total Recall with uh, Ronald Shusett and Dan O'Bannon, and uh, also Navy Seals and that uh, Nicolas Cage movie Next, uh, neither of which are great, but, you know, entertaining. Uh, W.D. Richter is a little more interesting. He wrote the '78 version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the '79 Dracula with Frank Langella, Brew Baker, Needful Things, and he's only directed two films, one of which is Buckaroo Banzai Across the Adventures of the Eighth Dimension. There's a movie. (laughs) (laughs) So, but yeah, so it's interesting that you say that about John Wayne because it was very much originally a western to begin with. Uh, before, before going down the road that we're at now.
4: You know, I, I always talk about this with my brothers. Uh, my older brother in particular, he uh, was the national champion of Kung Fu. So he used to fly around the world fighting people. And he tells me, he insists that all Western movies are just white version of Kung Fu movies. <laughs> He's like, that's all they are, man. Revenge stories. It's like a simple story, but it's all about revenge and, and a big action scene at the end. He's like, they're just... American version of kung fu movies.
0: There's only so many stories. At the, you get down to its <laughs> core. What, what kind of
2: movie is it? That is actually literal um, when it comes to uh, Seven Samurai versus a Magnificent Seven. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and whatever. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you just, the thing is, you know, all the, all the Asian characters actually had skill, and then the Western characters had guns. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> they, it, it, they swapped out skill for guns, which is a perfect metaphor for pretty much the 20th century, anyway. You know, like okay, you you have uh, you depict a, a certain kind of steely-eyed prowess with a weapon, you know, but that doesn't make up for, you know, that doesn't make a, a cowboy a samurai. You know, it's it's a true. weird uh, it's a weird juxtaposition. But did, uh, pretty much. Did, did either you did anybody notice that the suit that kurt
0: russell wears when he goes into the brothel under cover the suit that he's wearing uh i don't know he wore it in used cars it's Ah, the same it's the same suit (laughs) i didn't see a movie oh really oh you gotta watch it it's it's really funny well um (laughs) yeah i every, every 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 chunk of this uh kim cattrall is just absolutely at her most adorable all the all the different uh, the bits and pieces that put this thing together, like Jerry said, with the three storms, uh, you know, ending up being one of them inspirations for Raiden from uh, Mortal Kombat. It's you know, th- there's so much about this. I mean, I would just watched it again last night, and I, I like like you. I mean, I don't think I've seen it 200 times, but I've probably seen it at least 15 or 20, and I still I still break out laughing at the same spots. I, I it never watching the movie. I, you know, I always expect when I've seen a movie that many times I always expect that there's some portions of it that I'm just going to be like, I can fast forward through this or I can, you know, I can jump ahead to the next bit. I don't ever get tired of watching any of the pieces of this movie. Uh, This it's just it's just so much fun, you know, and there's there's so many, you know, a couple of weeks ago we watched Fearless Vampire Killers, a Polanski uh, vampire film that uh, is just it was so outside of everything else Polanski had done but it was just a really refreshing kind of movie. And I don't really think there's any other Carpenter film that is like, that has the same feel as big trouble in little China, uh, out of his catalog. It's very much singular in that way, you know, showing his ability to direct comedy, not straight comedy. I should say, I mean, Memoirs of an invisible man kind of, but it's, that's okay. But the, I just, I just, re- I really like this movie. There's, there's only, you know, I'm, I could wax poetic on it, but uh, uh, Latham, you want to go? Uh, so It's one of your favorite movies. I can tell. <laughs> well,
1: no,
3: <laughs> normally if I hate something, I preface it, but I'm, I don't hate this movie. I had seen it once or twice in the eighties and not since until I watched it last night with my daughter. It was joyous to hear my daughter, who she laughs, but she has a certain type of laugh that is unique. Like she's seeing something she hasn't seen before and finds it really funny. and And there were a lot of those laughs last night. And she hasn't seen many kung fu movies or, or anything, even an offshoot of a kung fu movie. And you know, she's from China, so this is something you know to her. She, her eyes were glued to the screen watching this crazy movie. That's just all over the place. So I probably got more joy out of that than the actual film itself. I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, we've had a lot. I mean, is this our what fourth John Carpenter film, Steve? I think. Strangely enough. Yeah. We, yeah, we've had people pick a lot of, um, of his films. And um, unfortunately, most of them have been awful. This one, I won't call it awful. I, I don't know. When I first started watching it, I was like, my But you know, you see something in context of the times you're living in. And in the beginning scenes, I'm like, okay, we're watching the origin story for the coronavirus. These are the wet markets where it was birthed. Okay. So I, I first thought I, I first thought that. And like wow. I know I I I'm just I'm just giving you the context and and then I'm uh, like living okay. in a
4: dark world, my friend.
3: I, that's true, but uh, and I realize I'm supposed to be having fun watching this movie, so I started watching. It. Mean, when when Kurt
4: Russell when Jack Burton catches the bottle the bottle of beer, oh, that was dude. a cool
3: a cool little effect. You think that's the birthplace of Corona? <laughs> yeah, the, the, yeah. Was it a Corona beer? I mean that that would be. Been- <laughs> I I think my biggest problem with the film is where you guys, whereas you guys love Kurt Russell's performance, I think. I think he he just falls flat on all his funny lines. I think the only time I laugh is when they get their one, when he gets his one fuck in for the PG-13 movie, which was the rule in the 80s, you could have one fuck in the movie. When he tears through that wall, he says, fuck it or whatever. I mean, I, I laughed out loud. I thought that was great, but I think his delivery on these other lines is, I know I know he's trying to stay in character, but it, it just didn't seem funny to me or I I just it it didn't it didn't do anything for me Uh, you know the movie's all over the place and I like that I like that it's trying to mix genres and have different things that when they're down in the sewers and that giant thing just eats the guy and that's the end of that (laughs) and you never know anything about that whatever the fuck that was that ate that guy I mean that that stuff is great I mean that's really
0: creative you know that will never come out again what what won't come out again
3: (laughs) yeah i mean that's funny and it seems like at times they came up with good ideas while they were filming and those became the best ideas in the film when he when he's got the lipstick on him after he kisses her that's great that's just fucking great that
4: no one else can see
3: (laughs) i mean that's yeah that's that kind of stuff is, is seems improvised but feels like like really clever like they really either they really thought about or came up with it on the spot and and that that I like that you know I I understand I get the kung fu stuff and I understand why people enjoy it and there's some good action in this film it's crazy I just it, it just doesn't speak to me I can see why a lot of people would would see this in their youth and you know not only if you're an Asian American but if you're, I'm, you know, there's plenty of non Asian Americans who love this film and, and saw it in their youth and think it's better than Last Star Fighter or the Indiana Jones movies or whatever. And I, I, I just didn't, I, it, I don't dislike it because of that. I just don't think it's, I think it's like misplotted and there's pacing problems. And I'm probably overanalyzing it because it's just supposed to be a fun movie. Um, you know, I did feel like I was watching you, Steve, at times. I felt like you, like, could have been Kurt Russell's like stunt double, and like, well, thanks, I, did, I appreciate that. <laughs> the way he smiled and the way he was acting, I'm like, you know, I, I think I'm watching Steve right now, and that was <laughs> that made me enjoy it a little more. Um, I'm, I, you know, I don't know, I, 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 pro- I up my rating of it from when I was a kid. Oh, so that's something because I really didn't like it. When I was younger, which is surprising, because did you bump it up to two? No, I, it used to be at two. Okay, and yeah. I bumped it up to two and a half. Wow! Uh, All for right. the effort and the beholder that's in the movie, and uh, you know, um, yeah, it, it's it, it's it's something I would probably recommend people see. It's just not my cup of tea. That's what I would. Think. That's
2: fair enough. Yeah, but Hassan? I understand why people oh. enjoy. It.
0: Hassan. Um <laughs> <laughs> he's just figuring out how to launch, I think. <laughs> I know he
2: is. Big Trouble Little China. Uh, when I when I first saw this movie, well, first of all, this movie was uh, was a, a monster when I was in school. I think high school. So it everyone was one of those movies it in
3: your high school, Hasan? Huh? Is that what you mean? Like everyone had seen it or it was just popular? Yeah, it was
2: just one of those things like, you gotta see this, you know, you have right. to, you know, you it's just one of those movies you had to, and and you were cool if you knew the movie, if you knew the movie, if you had seen the movie, if you understood the movie. Yeah. It it when when I had seen it when I was young, it seemed like one of those movies that understood young people because it had all these like amazing cartoon like fantasy elements in it that that most movies didn't have, like flying, sword dueling, and uh, wire work. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, it was wire work, but I mean, it was. We'd never, you know, like visually, cause I, right. I wasn't, yeah, I didn't, I wasn't weaned on, uh, on. Until on the Matrix, the, until the Matrix, that stuff just wasn't in American films. Yeah. I was like, I'm saying, I was about to say, I wasn't, I wasn't weaned on like, I, I, I saw swordsman, you know, Jet Li swordsman like years later or whatever. And that, and those, those, uh, you know, those wire work, uh, like extravaganzas that, you know, were coming out of, uh, uh, China and and Korea and, and whatever but that was years later so big first of all the fact that Big Trouble in Little China kind of became from from a uh, from an American from a Westerners perspective kind of became a kung fu movie halfway through you know like in the it like Kind of in the middle and all the way to the end, where suddenly like Wang was because he drank the potion, of course, but he was he was he had supernatural powers and he could fly, and all this other stuff, like when I was a kid like this is this is this is fucking amazing <laughs> like they don't they don't they' I don't even and i and the the last surprise I got from Big Trouble in Little China, which I've discovered years and years later, was it was a John Carpenter movie. I know I, you know, like, it just fits, it, it fits none of the visual language of his other movies. Right. Um, so, it took a while for me to understand what I was seeing, because there's a lot going on in the movie, in that mo- in the very little movie. There's, there's a lot of, like, exposition stories, you know, supernatural forces of good and evil you know you know chinese standoff and you know like all these you know this 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 <laughs> elemental you know you know these three guys these the, the storms these three enormous, well one of them is enormous but the other two guys really powerful i was always trying to figure out what rain's power was cuz like get, you get thunder and you get you lightning <laughs> huh you got the ball <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm like what well, is this? This other guy floats around, you know. That's what he basically does, and he and he fights uh, Wang. That was that was his primary objective. It's like how do you greatest, watch, how do you watch that movie and not want to
0: see like like the adventures of the three storms? You know, like you don't want to see like stuff with just with them.
3: I want to see how they acquired those hats. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to... saw
3: that and she just started laughing. She thought that was the greatest funniest thing that they're wearing these hats and. Anytime someone flew through the air, she laughed, and that's that. That's a testament to that that film being unique at the time.
4: Well, the the one thing that I think the movie does really well too is, you know, the truth is it's not really a kung fu movie at all. It's it's more of like a, a Chinese fantasy film. You know, um, it, it's more they they kind of deal more with uh, mythological concepts that has a kung fu flair to it. Is what I would kind of summarize it as. Like as a straight kung fu movie, no, it it, it definitely falls short. Like right? it can't hang with you know like fearless from Jet Li or things like that. It might,
1: yeah,
2: from I'm Doctor I'm not even but, that, I wouldn't even I because I wouldn't even categorize it like that. It's it's kind of in a class by itself. Yeah. And when I was a kid, I'm, I'm trying, trying to, to capture this. It's, it's, yeah. That's a, yeah, before superhero. before superhero movies like were really because it was absurd. There were you know like like what in the eighties? What movie ended like that? You know, what movie had this, you know, this subterranean, with cla- you know, neon dragons, you know, neon lights on, <laughs> on Skull Dragons. And it, it was, it's a crazy film. It really is a crazy film. And I'm trying to, to explain this in a way that, that I don't, it won't take me like 10 minutes to try to explain it. But it was, seemed like it was a movie that understood kids when we were kids. Like it gave us like this crazy imagery it, 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 when you're kids and you play with your friends, and you've you know you can use your imagination to come up with like you know basically what we would describe now as absurd you know fantasy thinking you know absurd logic and whatever your your superheroes your characters do things that are you know are incapable of doing, and so you have these you you, you visualize these you know these exploits of you know unbelievable physical heroism or whatever while you're playing with your it's it's sort of
0: it's a modern it's a really kind of a modern pulp well yeah but i mean you
2: know as a kid you don't understand terms like that no i know when when you're when when you're watching that movie and you see wang drink a potion and then be able to you know be an expert swordsman and fly it's just something that gets the way kids watch movies. I don't know exactly. I don't know how else to describe it. It's just something that, that a kid would look at and just lock into that right away. Like this, it's not absurd or whatever. It's it's just, it's more, this is what I see in my cartoons. I've never seen this in live action before. Well,
4: why is that so different than St- Skinny Steve Rogers drinking it, you know, getting pumped with steroids and becoming America's strongest, you know, strongest athlete, you know?
2: because that was never depicted live action <laughs> you never saw that live except for that bad captain america movie where he wore a motorcycle helmet red brown yeah <laughs> and the least we say about that the better <laughs> that's what i'm saying it was like you read a comic book or you saw you, you watch a cartoon that kind of fanciful uh logic that kind of outlandish absurdity and i don't mean that in a negative way is something that you're used to and you're you you're you're a lot of times in, you, as, as in a child's mind, you're watching that and you're thinking, I'm watching a cartoon or I'm reading a comic because no one really could do this stuff in real life. You know, there's no way I could actually see this stuff in real life. So, you know, years before CGI and all that other stuff, like kind of transcended the medium and we could have Transformers and we could have, uh, you know, Wolverine with actual claws coming out of his, his hands and all that other stuff that, uh, you know, that CG has made possible. I'm watching. I'm literally watching a cartoon uh, in live action, and I didn't. Under, as a kid, I didn't understand the uh, Jack Burton. I didn't understand he was doing a John Wayne shtick. I didn't understand uh, the the Grace Law. You know, uh, Jack Burton. Uh, you know, will they, won't they? Kind of. You know, uh, push and pull all that. All that stuff. The the only joke I got when I was a kid was you know Egg Shen's. Uh, you know, now for some more bad news ready you know and that
1: was
2: (laughs) that made me pee myself when i was a kid so um it's and and also there's weird aspects of this movie that when i was a kid were scary you know like the creature that came out of the 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 wall and ate a guy and they all just kind of stand there and look at it and shoot guns and then they just let the guy get eaten and it just disappears and like jack said what you know what won't come out of the hole again you know, that really messed me up. I, was, I spent the rest of that movie watching, watching all the little crevices and holes for, you know, for <laughs> monsters to come out and eat my heroes. So, in other words, I can't really judge this movie. Like, I can't watch it now and go, yeah, it's okay, but there's some stuff and there's some special effects. I, I cannot watch this movie objectively because this was an amazing movie when I was a kid. And it was a movie that was rare because when I was a kid, I only had HBO and it, does, it didn't come on HBO all that much. Like it was one of those rarities where it was a treat whenever it came on. And I didn't, it was before home video or I had one. So it was one of those movies that you were cool if you saw it. And if you understood the references in it and you could, you could reference it to other kids in school. Um, or at playgrounds or, you know, uh, and all these little social club clicks and stuff like that. So it transcended actually being a regular movie. So I cannot judge this movie. I could not watch this movie objectively, uh, this week because I really love the movie. So I couldn't, I don't have, I, I oddly enough, don't say, really have, have any side. Yeah. I don't have anything really negative or, or, or overly positive to say about it. Because it's not really, to me, it's not really a movie. It's just this. It's just. It's um. It's like Star Wars. It's like describing Star Wars. It's like or Temple Doom. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. no I Temple could. Des- I, can, I could describe Temple of Doom. Oh, okay.
4: I, <laughs> I, I truly believe Big Trouble is kind of like the first comic book superhero movie, uh, live action that is, you know, and. uh, like I will make Plus, the argument Superman. That I think it holds up better to this day than, say, X-Men 1, 2, or 3. Oh, yeah. Even though came out afterwards. Those movies came out many years after, and I still think Big Trouble holds up well, better from, from a visual point but, of view. Forget about the writing or anything.
2: But see, know? here's what I'm saying. The visuals the visuals are, are stem from the special effects that they use. And a well, lot of the... Yeah, a lot of the, well, a lot of the cinematography was was devised not for this particular movie, but in general was devised as a in in order to accommodate the special effects, so that the so that the special effects look more realistic because you couldn't you couldn't do some some things on a wide shot because you would see the strings, you would see the the you know, so the you know like the necessity is the mother of invention kind of thing. The cinematography and the special effects go hand-in-hand hand to, to enhance the experience of what you're watching. And by the time X-Men came out, everybody was so enamored with what you could do that actual cinematography and craftsmanship actually took a step back in order to accommodate. And that's why I think those movies, in my opinion, are, are, are extremely unremarkable. When you have to... It's like Aliens. It's like watching James Cameron's Aliens. When you have to devise camera angles and shots and special effects to accommodate a script, as opposed to knowing that you could do a particular special effect and writing a script around that. It's a completely different monster. It's a completely, it's a timeless animal. And so, I mean, there are things I could say about like, you know, like Latham said, like Jack Burton's jokes didn't land a lot of times. And, you know, I could say stuff like that. I think part of the charm is that he's not funny I think that's part. That's a gag that he thinks he's he's clever and he's funny and he's just not. I could actually the thing that bothered me the most when I was a kid. This is the stupidest thing. I couldn't stand the lipstick scene. I'm like, wipe, wipe that <laughs> lipstick I off knew your mouth.
3: You wanted to wipe it off.
2: Yeah, you can't be you can't be a super you know, an action hero with lipstick all over your mouth. This is dumb. I mean, that's that's a level of <laughs> that's the level of cool. adolescence <laughs> I was at watching the, watching the film. So I can't really, you know, I I I try to to watch Objective. it objectively. Yeah, and I can't. I couldn't. I really couldn't. It's kind of the same as Jaws, like when, when we did Jaws. And I was like, I'm trying to watch this as though, you know, I was some, you know. Well, I, I think that shark didn't look that good. And I don't understand what all those limericks were from Quint. You know, you can't really do that. You can't unsee these movies the way you, you the greatness. way you, yeah, so. So yeah, it's a great film. I love it. Uh, I was I was happy to watch it again. I do have a, a commemorative like you know super super uh, uh, Blu Ray of it that I was able to crack, crack you, open for the first time. Did you watch, watch the extended ending? No, no. I just watched. Oh, well, so when
0: they so there's an extra scene, and I didn't realize this until I just watched this last night. There's an extra little scene extension at the end when after they drive out of the warehouse at the end. And she's like, red light, red light. And they screech to a halt at the red light. And mm-hmm. the next thing they do is they cut and they're in the restaurant. Well, they're sitting at the light and the three lords of death in the Trans Am drive by. And he just goes, no way. And he just basically, <laughs> he watches them drive out across the street, like down out in a, and like out to the end of a pier where they're like just sitting in the car drinking beers. And so he like, they're all kind of they all they all like in the in the classic, like all in a row kind of lean over and turn and look at him. And he like just goes. He drives, he just takes off from the light, follows him all the way down and pushes him into the into the bag. <laughs> and, and he just turns to him and they're all looking at him and he just turns to him and goes, OK, now I feel a little better. <laughs> and then they cut back to the to the restaurant. Wait, what was this in, Steve? This was this, uh, this was uh this was on my on my DVD that this is one of the special features. Oh. It's it's
2: interesting. Interesting. It
0: was literally just an extended ending was all there was. There wasn't a whole lot of a there wasn't anything else I don't think on it.
2: It's one of those scenes you know why they cut it but it's still great to see it. Like, it's, it's fun still- to, it's yeah, to yeah, it's fun to see yeah. something new, you know. And it's simply and it's so
0: minor that yeah. you know honestly now adding it in I don't think that it would add or detract anything from the film itself, but it's fun to watch something that you know was supposed to be there and they got rid of. Uh, Kurt Russell turned down the role of Connor McLeod in Highlander to make this film. Good, good for Kurt. <laughs>
3: Russell. <laughs> Do we think Kurt Russell has a lot of range? In all honesty,
2: more range than Christopher uh, Lambert you is. And Tomahawk.
4: Uh, okay, have you guys seen Bone Tomahawk? Yeah. Yes.
2: It's a really, great film. Yes.
4: Come on. I've heard about it. I want to see it.
3: <laughs>
0: uh, okay I it think is, I think Kurt Russell has more range than I he's given credit. Yes. I, I think that for the most part he takes roles that don't require him to stretch all that much. Or at least he took a lot of roles in his career that didn't require him to stretch all that much. But I think he's capable mm-hmm.
4: of it. Have you guys seen Overboard? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so Jackie Chan <laughs> was actually John Carpenter's first choice for Wang. Wasn't
4: the stu- the, stu-
0: was the studio balked at it and eventually they gave in and then Jackie turned him down. So, and then he discovered Dennis Dunn. One of the things they talk about on the, on the, on the commentary. Uh, so the, the test screenings for this film were apparently off the charts positive. And the problem was Uh, the studio had no idea how to market this film. And that was one of the problems they had when they didn't really back it when it came out was because they had no idea how to sell this movie.
2: Because halfway through, it becomes a Kung Fu movie. Because it's full of Asian people. They don't know what to do with Asian
0: people. That could very well be at the time. That's 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 true. And and this this is really funny. So before Carpenter took on this movie, Apparently, Paramount had approached him about directing The Golden Child. He had turned it down and made this movie because he wanted to make this movie instead with Kurt. So when he found out that Paramount had put Golden Child into production at the same time, he then was forced to fast track this so that he could beat Golden Child to to market uh, by five months because he didn't want to come out at the same time.
3: Oh man! So you get to work on Prince of Darkness.
0: That's right. Uh, Jace uh, John originally wanted Kim Cattrall, but the, again, the studio balked because at that point she was really only known for Porky's and the Police Academy films. Eventually, oh, okay. eventually, uh, man- what
4: Mannequin? Did that come out
3: by that?
0: Which the movie? Oh, 18- 87. Eighty-seven
3: was
0: Mannequin. Yeah. Oh, so there you go. Oh, yeah, because that would have been really her kind of her big exposure, I think yeah yeah the studio wanted either Jack Nicholson or Clint Eastwood to be the leading man in this film. I uh, obviously, when it was still a western, I'm guessing, but John only wanted Kurt I mean, and Kurt had reservations about doing this film, and John is like, "Dude, I only want to do this movie with you and you know he's the one who talked Kurt into it. So the other two, luckily, were found to be unavailable, and uh, so then they acquiesced and let him hire Kurt. Did you guys, another another little nugget, which I was watching last night, and I only noticed this for the first time. Did you guys, and then I actually verified it later, but I, I thought about it when I saw it. Did you guys happen to notice, uh, you know, right before they slide down the barber pole into the sewers at Egg Shen's little hideaway? What happened to notice, like, what that it was? Uh, Egg Shen's, like, house, whatever? Uh, No. No. It was the Ghostbusters Firehouse.
2: Oh no, I did not know. <laughs> if you that. look out How past if you look out
0: past the bus, the door, the inside, that's the interior location of the Ghostbusters Firehouse. That's not the Ghostbusters Firehouse, but it's no, the interior it's the set. location they used for the Ghostbusters Firehouse.
2: So they borrowed their set for yep. that.
0: Well it was a location. It's inside of it it was it, it exists. They didn't build it. Hmm
1: but yeah, um,
0: where his little where we, his little bus is parked, in that as soon as they come walking past the bus up, I'm like, shit, that looks like the inside of the Ghostbusters the firehouse. And then I found I found online that they they used the same that's location. The inside of the Ghostbusters. Yep, <laughs> I thought that that was hysterical.
4: Here's a little trivia for you, Steve. Uh, when they do go down into the sewer, and they're all like in the they're all going down, and that's when Jack Burns is like I feel pretty good, and they're all saying like I feel good. Oh, in the elevator, one of the guys. Yeah, yeah, in the elevator. One of the guys standing behind Jack Burton is this Chinese guy with the the gold headband. There's like, you know, I don't know, a few of them. But one of them, his name is Conan Lee. That guy was brought on to replace Bruce Lee after Bruce Lee had passed away. And he was supposed to be the next big thing. And he had his little cameo in Big Trouble, which was supposed to introduce him to the American market. Oh, okay. But, you know, he was just a... Bruce Lee knockoffs, so just right, work out. right among <laughs> among a whole slew of Bruce Lee knockoffs.
3: Yeah, yeah you yeah, think yeah.
0: being called Conan might have hurt his cause? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. What else? Was, oh, the the other thing about the three storms. John said that the three storms were inspired by the three the trio of assassins from the um the Kizura Okami TV series, which is the 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 lone wolf and cub based on the Lone Wolf and Cub manga and uh, films, but there was a three seasons of a Japanese TV show that was also the ba- based on the baby cart films, and uh, that's where he got the, apparently there was three, a trio of assassins in, that, in the episodes of the TV show, and he said that's where he got the idea for the three, the three guys. Wow, nice. So it's funny how everything kind of goes back, you know, and then, and then it turns around, and they use those as the inspiration for Raiden for Mortal Kombat. So, um, and also, you know apparently... it I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say that Lo Pan was the the uh, the inspiration for Shang Tsung. Uh, there's a guy in Mortal Kombat named Shang Tsung, and I, that's all I got out of that. But that apparently, there was two characters in that game that
2: were ref- or, uh, inspired by uh, characters in Big Trouble in Little China. No one was drove drove me crazy about uh, Lightning is that he could never seem to direct his power at at anyone because. So well, much a of couple it was of the, times was yeah, a special he effect. To perform with it. He never really wanted to direct it. Yeah, <laughs> because, or or like he would have to because the it's it's really a clever it's it's really clever physics. It's a, the f- clever dynamics of it uh, to in order to showcase it. He would have to channel it through something in order to direct it at someone. But at, towards the end, just before they drop that that statue, statue on him, yeah. He was he was doing ninety percent of what he was doing was flexing, and and, and you know, and, and like knocking yeah. the corridor, and it's like dude, but well, that's you a doing. total kung fu movie thing yeah. though. That's a
0: total that's a total steal right from those kinds of movies. And then
2: he had he had the nerve to look shocked when he saw the, the statue coming at him. He was like, oh, hey, you man.
4: Watch that uh, even as a kid, right? I don't know if this is accurate or not, but the three storms clearly, uh, lightning to me was the only guy that didn't know how to fight. The other two guys yeah. clearly yeah. knew how to fight. Well, Thunder, Thunder didn't really have to know how to fight. He... No, but those guys were showing forms off, and they were doing real martial yeah. arts, whereas Lightning was just up there, you know, showing off special effects coming out Apparently of his hands. Thunder, you
0: know? at one point, was uh, a martial arts training officer for the Hong Kong Police Department.
4: Yeah, I mean, you can easily tell, at least to me, like, those two, Wind and, and Thunder, like, very obviously martial artist. Lightning, on the other hand, he was also the most handsome right. one out of the three. Yeah. You know? So, like, I, I don't know if... Maybe he is a martial artist. I, I just don't know. But it seems to me like they just kind of took... We're going to make the coolest character the best-looking
1: character. You know? <laughs>
2: what, what ruins movies is if you think of lightning on the set while they were filming and everybody else is doing, you know, katas and, and you know, basically doing moves and this guy's like doing all, and nothing is happening. Yeah. <laughs> In elevator poses, you know, and, uh, and, and Carpenter's like, don't worry, this is going to look cool as shit. When you <laughs> you're going to look like a God when I'm done with you, but <laughs> he's just got no choice, but to trust him, you know, like, all right. Yeah. And the good thing about it, the reason he looks so cool is because he leaned into all that pantomiming. So like you know, the, so the special effects guys knew exactly how to make him look because he was the scariest one. He was the one that you thought was going to give them trouble.
4: Yeah, he's like the cool yeah. Guy. It was
2: it yeah. He's <laughs> uh, excuse me, lightning was ridiculous. I I still and none of you can tell me. I, I still want to know what Rain's power was. It just it really it really bugged me. It's been bugging me for years. <laughs> it's been, I, and like I was an adult, I was a, I think I was an adult before I actually realized his name was Rain. You know? Right. Like I it I, I did not put together that these guys were named Thunder, Rain, and Lightning. The only I got lightning because he used lightning. So that was easy. But I didn't know the other two guys were and were then part well, of Pan, the
0: storm motif. Lopan calls him Thunder at one point. And then, yes. er, and then early on, yeah, I believe it's Egg Shen. He mentions well he mentions the three storms. Yeah. He yes. says something about the three storms. So but that's kinda, when you
2: get that's when you get older and you, you're actually watching bang, the yeah, film for the first time. Right. Yeah, instead of watching some guy kick another guy's ass, like, really well. Flying. Yeah, the other, the other cute little
0: Easter egg that's <laughs> oh. in the movie that, uh, I've, I've and honestly, I would never have caught this in a, a million years that's anyway, cool. but apparently the last shot of lightning he's, as he's going down, the, going down the pipe and the last little residual bits of lightning effect are there in the air. Yeah. Uh, they form the Chinese characters for the word carpenter. Oh as a little homage. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's another, it's another, uh, from my standpoint, it's another carpenter gem. Uh, this is, this is, this is one of the the films I know, you know, that carries, that holds a very, it holds a very special place, uh, in my movie watching history, but it also, and it also holds a very high position of regard, uh, just of his, in his film library for me, just like I said, simply because it, there, he he doesn't really have anything else like this.
2: No, no, I don't there's think no. anyone does. Yeah, <laughs> what, what I, mean? <laughs> I don't think anyone does. Really, it's <laughs> a unique, it's a, it's extremely unique film with a unique title. Like everything about it is just kind of off kilter. You yeah. know, like it, it's there's, there's no direct way to approach this movie. It's just, it is its own kind of beast. Right. Um, right. So. Yeah, you know, I love
4: this. How many movies have titles that long too? Yeah.
2: (laughs) Although that wasn't the age of the Indiana Jones and you know uh, era. Sure, Indiana Jones.
0: Yeah. What's funny is if you get the chance, uh, go watch the theatrical trailer. Uh, They have a different title treatment on the Big Trouble in Little China in the theatrical trailer that uh, wasn't used in the film, and the voiceover narration is kind of amusing. Uh, But it's it's really, it's
2: really, really talking it up. (laughs) So can you, can you, in your research, did you find out exactly who wrote the, the, the song at the end of the film during the credits, the big trouble, little China song? I don't know it. You don't know who
0: the Coupe de Ville's are?
2: No, I do not.
0: The Coupe de Ville's are John Carpenter, Nick Castle and Tommy Lee Wallace. I just wondered
2: if he had a hand in that yeah. because it's like, it's kind of shamelessly. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if know? it's
0: Tommy Lee Wallace, who is also an assistant director on this uh, or Nick Castle. were doing the vocals or maybe they shared the vocals, but uh, yeah, it's those three guys are the Coupe de Ville's. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. Great movie. I think that that is going to leave us headed to the only place that we really need to go now. Chinatown. Down the tubes.
3: And again, the internet is not something that
0: you just dump something on. It's not a big truck. It's it's a series of tubes.
2: So we will we this will start
0: short, with
2: short, uh short, 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 short,
0: short. with the posters for Big Trouble in Little China.
2: True Struzan.
0: <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> The the I think I I think I, pick, I, think I put thir- twenty nine in here and uh, there were probably I could have probably put a hundred big trouble in little China posters in here I, I I really cut it down to like some some high well pieces but I mean it's really hard just to get past this one I mean it's yeah. it it's so fitting to the film you know and, and kind of what what you know what what we like about the movie what Latham doesn't like about the movie but um, <laughs> the
3: posters bearing in the movie. Well, there uh, I see.
2: There you go. According to uh, according to the Struzan documentary, that's his body. He used his own body as a model for Jack Burton. Oh, really? Yeah. That's so that's, yeah. that's 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 Drew Struzan with uh, Kurt Russell's head on it. <laughs> <Okay>. Interesting.
4: <laughs> I actually, my favorite one is the Adam Lambert one. I think that thing is amazing. The one with three—it's very graphic. Yeah, uh, I, I love the the girl. Jump ahead, the...
0: Jerry. We'll get there.
4: Oh, Jump ahead.
0: Sorry. <laughs> uh, so, stay next in we... your lane,
2: guest. Stay in yeah. your lane. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> next, we have the U.S. International uh, poster. Now, this is interesting because. Uh, up until a couple of years ago, I had never seen this image before. I had never seen this painting, but this was used for all of the, for well, at least for what the most of what I could find, all of the internet, like the European posters and everything. They all just took this image and put Big Trouble in Little China over it in their own language. But they all used this image, which I which I uh, demonstrated
2: with the next one for Spain. You know, That's it's kind a all... wild how they got. It's it's the reverse of what usually happens. They they got all the Asian faces looking almost spot on with their with the the who they're supposed to depict. Yeah, and I don't and know yet, who that guy is. Yeah, and yet Kurt Russell and then Kim Cattrall look. Leonardo Kim Cattrall DiCaprio. almost looks like Kim Cattrall. Yes, but not quite. But and that is not is Kurt, Kurt Russell.
3: Rider and Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I, this this feels like you know. An '80s adventure made for TV movie would be like a remake of Big Trouble in Little China, and this is the guy they got to play the
2: Jack Burton character. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's like it's a cosplay. Yes, yeah. There you go. Who because they got in, uh, Tales from uh,
3: Tales of the Gold Monkey or whatever. Oh,
2: One of the no Stephen uh,
3: Collins. Stephen Collins. Collins. Okay. Yeah, that's who that reminds me of. In the belay that
2: phaser order. Yeah. Ah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Captain Decker,
0: poor
3: guy. Yes.
2: Um <laughs> poor Decker. So next
0: is uh next is the Japanese uh Photoshop
2: mishmash.
3: Yeah, it's typical.
2: You yeah, absolutely positively have to get that poster hidden by Monday and it's Sunday night. It's <laughs> but I like
0: that
2: I like that they sauce. got the uh I like that they got the sewer monster on here. Though. Yeah, they yeah.
4: did. <laughs> With well, the guy's legs sticking with the out of
2: hanging out, That kind of
3: ruins that scene, but, uh, you know. I, I mean, see.
4: It did one thing that the other three posters didn't do. They have Dennis Dunn in it. That's right. There you go.
3: Got <laughs> <laughs> the beholder, or whatever the fuck that thing is. I'm calling it a beholder because it reminds me of something from Dungeons & Dragons, but whatever it is. The thing with all the eyes on it. Yeah.
0: Is that a beholder? Yes. Oh, good. I named it right. Yeah, you did. Okay. Um so next is one of two uh posters from Ghana. And uh you know and I are- wish I wish it was Ghana.
2: <laughs> I don't want to see it.
0: <laughs> this is these are just a treat. Uh, you got your beholder lay
2: and yeah, then it looks like and a then, cave painting. Oh.
0: And then and then the second one is is is, is possibly even better because <laughs> i don't know if that's a transgender kurt russell or what's going on there with him but yeah
3: this this <laughs> and honestly pan and honestly La-
2: kind of a transgender kim control so <laughs> i'm mean, Lao pan still looks almost like Lao pan like he, I, yeah, you know. <laughs>
0: I, yeah, yeah
2: yeah somehow they managed to get But that's because that. he's not human that's because you could get all those right right you know those inhumane things like to work um but, but kim Catral. I, I love how the gun in his hand,
0: they still manage to fuck up the perspective on the clip in a oh manner that God. makes it look like an Escher drawing. <laughs> it's just Everything so about this is just
3: awful. Just, <laughs> just find this guy and,
0: you
2: know. So, for the thumbs. The beginning
0: of the artist posters, uh, this is the one that Jerry likes a lot. Uh, and I do too, uh, Adam Limbert.
3: Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's – yeah, you can't beat that. Yeah, it's fine. I wonder which one of them is lightning. Hmm. Mm, that's tough. Hasan. Yeah, it's a tough one. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that little part coming out of his penis that's going to
2: the garage. <laughs> oh, always making it weird. Yeah, always making it weird. <laughs> uh, next is Cesar Moreno. Yeah,
3: we can say whatever we want on this show.
2: <laughs> Doesn't mean it's not weird. I mentioned a lightning penis. Everyone loses Oh, it. Oh, they got the lipstick. No. Oh, it's great.
3: <laughs> no. this, this this took a lot of work and it shows and it's good. It is beautiful, but the lipstick's ruined it for me. I love it. I think it's great that he chose to put it on or she. <laughs> Not
1: that he yeah.
3: no.
0: I uh yeah, I, I really like just the design and the layout of this. So how the everything's built out of like the truck and the movement involved with that, and they just radiated upwards and, and just the way they layer in all these different pieces into all these different stripes it's really well handled i mean it's the bit... speed
2: lines incorporating the speed lines into yeah as as you as you scroll up it becomes part of the the background scenery it's pretty clever yep yep uh next is uh
0: a piece by chris weston this is actually the uh this is part of a a triptych that he did for John Carpenter, Kurt Russell films. He has another one for the thing and another one for escape from New York. Apparently Kurt Russell's face is hard to draw. I think he does a decent job here. Okay. Yeah. There are three. I mean, the the thing the we had the line art in our thing book for the, for the thing piece that Chris did, but uh, this, this triptych of posters is really, is really awesome. Uh, Next is a piece by Dan Mumford.
3: Uh.
0: I like Dan's work a lot.
3: All right. I mean, it's it's very... Uh, Dark? Yeah, I mean, it's just <laughs> pretty intense. Very, like, geometrically perfect, I think. Uh,
0: so next is a piece that uh, Dan Panosian uh, put together, actually, for us at Printed in Blood. Uh, we have that... That guy was on our show. Yes, yes, he was. Now he gets a poster on. This guy's doing good. <laughs> Yeah. Dan's all right. (laughs) It was funny. Dan did, uh, Dan did the very first print for us we ever produced, which was for, um, was for the thing, uh, seven or eight years ago. And what I had asked Dan to come back and do another poster for us. And he said, you know what? He goes, when you guys get around to the anniversary of big trouble in little China, let me know. And, uh, so when we did, I did. And, uh, this is what he, uh, this is what he put together for us. Cool. Yep. So uh next is uh a piece by a guy who goes by the name Gokaiju. We've had his work on here before. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Son
0: of <laughs> a bitch Very must pulpy, pay. Pulpy.
3: <laughs> just just makes you
0: chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> Very pulpy, but good. Yep. <laughs> uh next is Guy Stauber.
3: Yeah, I mean you've got the beholder front, you know. I
0: love part this of this one. poster, yep that's that's good uh next is Issa Anifada, and uh, we've had their work on here before. They're the one that did that amazing uh Princess Bride poster we oh, yeah. I mean,
3: this is just yeah
0: yeah i can't, i I don't even know I mean, Jerry, you've done some pretty some pretty amazingly detailed pieces yourself, but this is just mm-hmm. this is kind of in you know this is Art Adams insanity level here,
3: yeah, I mean. If he started this in January, he's like, I'll see you in September, wife. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, yeah, it's just fantastic.
0: I would love to know uh, his process or his or her. I'm not sure if it's a his or a her, but I'd love to know their process. Uh, if they draw this out in pencil and then and color it digitally or if it's all digital. I'd be curious to see. So uh, next is a painting by Jason Edmiston. That's good. I think this might... that
2: actually looks like Russell.
0: I think this may have been done for... uh, I think this may be backing card art for uh, NECA. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it might have been. Yeah, I like it. You'll never could be action. (laughs) Uh, Next is Jeff Poitier. Hey. Okay.
3: That's not bad. Yeah, I like this. I mean, everyone's going to put him in every poster. You know, if you don't put him in the poster, you're kind of missing the point.
0: <laughs> He's not in this one by uh, Lorenzo Ciccati.
2: Yep. Yeah, that's ridiculous.
3: Yeah, I mean,
0: pretty clever. Uh, next is Mike McGee. Yeah. Uh. Yep. Mm-hmm. What's nice about this film is there's so many elements to choose from visually. To, Very you know,
4: colorful.
0: Yeah. to And to work with. Yeah. And that's the thing. You can throw lots of crazy color in and you're, sure. you're totally covered. Uh, so the next piece is uh, mm-hmm. of the three storms by a guy named Dan Sharon goes under the name Mungo Loves Candy. I just put this yep. in here. I just put this in because I like Dan's work a lot. Oh, I know it's not a poster, so yeah,
1: it's, it's just
0: cool. it is what it is. Yeah. Um, so next was a a, a fake poster wow. by Orlando Aracena of a potential sequel we never saw.
2: <laughs> wow! And the Crazy. six demon bag. <laughs> I, I love that scene where he like he takes it. and He's like, a six demon bag." <laughs> and Kurt's like, "Yeah." <laughs> There's nothing like said that gag of someone super excited about something that you have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah,
0: <laughs> like <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> well, Hassan, you're gonna
0: you're gonna dislike the next one, which is oh, uh, Peter Mahoney's uh, Mooka-esque
2: tribute to uh, to Jack. <laughs> oh, come on! <laughs> and it doesn't look like him.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: It's, you he's, know, he's got tough features. I admit. Like well,
3: no... basketball with the beholder.
0: That's right. That's right. Uh, next is uh, a piece by Phantom City Creative. It? These guys do a lot of really nice work.
2: Yeah, that's nice.
3: It looks nice. Yeah. I don't know if the tagline
0: fits with how dark this is, but. They also actually have a they have a variant of this uh did a variant at the same time where uh all the all the lettering is all in uh Chinese. Oh, nice. Uh next is Rich Davies. Yeah, it's similar to the ones. Yeah. <laughs> I don't
4: know.
0: I would I'd pick uh, one. It's okay. Yeah. Sam Gilby. Uh well, yeah, that's...
3: <laughs> that's the, Sam Gilby. Yeah. It's cool. <laughs> My reaction to this is the same as Kurt Russell's face in the poster. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Pretty much.
0: Uh, next is a much more cartoony piece by The Brown Noise. I have no idea what that means or who he is, but that's how they tagged themselves on it, so that's what they get. First one
3: that's using the guy blowing up in the giant... <laughs> Floating dude. No,
0: nah, he actually appeared on an earlier poster down in the corner. Oh, I missed it. Yeah. in uh, a full body shot, so. No. Uh, I, I looked and tried to find the, uh, the artist for this next piece, but uh, to no avail. But it's a nice, simple, uh, you know.
3: Yeah. We're not really trying here,
0: are we? <laughs> and then this final piece is, uh, I just like the style in it a lot. By uh, another unknown one this this showed this showed up on like twenty or thirty different Pinterest boards, and I could never trace it back to an original artist it all they all came from the same source, which was a dead web page so it's like i couldn't even find out where all they had originally sourced the image from, but uh, I just really like this I just really like this image a lot
3: are there, are they kind of making Kim Contral like manga here or am, I, am I yeah
0: that's that the, the big eyed uh, the big-eyed, uh, you know, look, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's done on a, uh, the rest of it's just done, you know, sort of pencil work on
2: yeah, a textured, like
3: sc-
0: almost like a textured scroll paper.
3: I like this one a lot. This might be my favorite. We got one couple more though, right,
0: Steve? Uh, yes, Vance Kelly is the next one. He does a lot of poster work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've
3: yeah. seen
2: this poster before though.
3: Yeah, this one's a little bit too orange for me. <laughs> too orange.
2: I don't like my movie posters too orange. I mean, you know,
3: <laughs> colors in the movie. I just, right. uh,
0: I like them colored like a fine wine. Yeah. <laughs> this is this, and is then and then finally we is have too citrusy Zaki yeah, Him- like Zaki Hamdani.
3: Yeah, I mean. Uh, uh yeah i mean you done well i guess i couldn't do it
2: <laughs> good likenesses at least yeah yeah it's a, it's yeah, a, it's a, a pretty good now it's,
0: it's a strong uh it's a strong group of posters it's uh it's a it's clearly it's a it's a it's a property that people like and and like doing and like drawing so um Jerry did have a Big Trouble in Little China piece, but it was really just more of a collection of heads. And I, I searched I searched high and low to see if there was an actual whole image somewhere in your collection of uh a Big Trouble in Little China, but I'm I'm guessing it was just a collection of heads.
4: Oh yeah, that was for a t shirt I did.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but you well, I mean it's on your it's on your site as a print too. Yeah, yeah. So here's normally where we would do, uh, what we call the martini Jerry, where we talk about where your feature film <clears throat> would rank in amongst, uh, the carpenter, uh, uh, library of films. Now we've done, we've like, as, as, Latham mentioned before, we've done carpenter films multiple times in the past. So we've kind of all, we all kind of know where we sit with these, but, um, so, so where would you, what would you, what would you put your five top carpenter films?
4: Oof, that's hard. Let me see. Uh, let me pull up all of his movies here, because just so I don't forget some that might be there.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: That's so many movies, geez. Well,
0: I mean, actually, it's it's only like twenty nineteen. It's not that many overall. I mean, it, most people aren't going to include Elvis or somebody's watching me as uh, part of their as a part of his best anyway, or or even Dark Star.
4: Let me see what we got here. Uh, I mean, I love the thing. You know, this is so hard to rank them. (laughs) I guess. I I guess I have to go with. I mean, Big Trouble and the Thing are going to be in my top three, but I got to put Halloween in there. (laughs) Yeah. I got to go. uh, Crap. But then there's. Well, I know Village of the Damned will be at the bottom. Oh, Oh, not uh, not Ghost of Mars? Ghost of Mars? I mean, I don't hate it. (laughs) Oh, my
2: God. No, you didn't say that. (laughs) (laughs) You, You... You've activated well, Latham. <laughs>
0: it's, it, this is this is really funny, Jerry. So so Latham hates Ghosts of Mars, right? And and it wasn't until it wasn't until we covered Prince of Darkness with John Hill that he found a movie by Carpenter that he hates more than Ghosts of Mars <laughs> than Prince of Darkness. So <laughs> if you get a chance, go listen to the Prince of Darkness show, and uh,
2: you'll uh, you'll definitely get a sense of of how much Latham disliked that movie. Yeah. If I recall, it was a trap that I walked into. <laughs> like, I was like, it started something like, you don't like Ghosts of Mars? And that was, I think that's all you hear from me in the, in the conversation after that.
4: <laughs> well, I have a question to ask you guys, as I would think you guys are the expert of John Carpenter films. I have heard that Halloween 1, the first Halloween movie, they had such a small budget. So Michael Myers' mask. They literally took a Bill Shatner mask, turned it inside out. And that is it. correct. So that, that is Michael Myers, is reverse Bill Shatner. Yep. Yeah, well, not it, now, but I mean, a, he was. It
0: was a Bill Shatner mask, yes.
4: have you guys It'll seen work. the meme of the Halloween mask and then Mariah Carey's face? No. Mariah Carey now. And they put Michael Myers' mask with oh my Mariah God. Carey's hair on it. It's exactly the
0: same. <laughs> that's spectacular. I got I got to go find that. <laughs> I have not seen that. It's I have definitely I definitely will scarily, hunt. That
4: shockingly exactly the same. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my god, that's fantastic. Yeah, so uh you got uh, you got anything you want to uh, anything you
4: want to plug, Jerry?
2: Uh, anything you wish to declare? Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a benediction, my son? I
4: mean, you know, uh, yeah, I came here just to hang out with you guys and talk, you know, shoot the shit over some films. But
0: uh, oh, I mean, the thirty <laughs> or forty people that listen to the show—I mean, you might as well, you know, grab their ears while you got them.
4: Uh, you know, uh, well, I'm working on this Monkey King comic. I'm hoping to get it done. It's
2: a Monkey King's Whoa, 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 whoa! No Monkey Kings. Yeah. <laughs>
4: You like- <laughs> I'm just are you uh, are you gonna, are you going to kickstart it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm hoping to do that like in February or something. Okay, I cut you off.
2: Please uh, elaborate because you have only slightly explained it. So, for King is an
4: old mythical uh, Chinese character. He's basically the Chinese Spider Man. Uh, right. I have a statue of the Monkey King
2: here somewhere. So, and my friend got me from when he went to China. So I know a little bit about it. The Monkey, Monkey
4: King is a free property. So it's like kind of like Thor. Anyone can, can take it. But And it's been rebooted, I think, at least once a year. But every year they reboot it and it just gets, they, they try to make it more action oriented, more violent. And the truth is the Monkey King story, it's the, it's the journey to the West. It's for the discovery of Buddhism. So it's completely the exact opposite of what the story. Is supposed to be. <laughs> right. Yeah. About finding. They got. They got to not... learn.
2: Yeah. They got to learn to fight less and less yeah, as so opposed to more and more. I'm
4: trying. I'm, I'm rebooting the story. I'm putting it in uh, Chinatown, New York, and they're going to travel to California to uh, oh. for, for Buddhism. But it's it's. I'm doing more of a comedy thing, so there will be action, but not. It's not going to revolve around like kung fu or anything like that. Uh, how many pages you shooting for i think it's i think i'm, gonna, I'm right now uh i'm coloring page tw- twenty, 22. um i'm going to be shooting for about i think it's going to be end up about 64 pages something like that okay um but yeah i i love it I, you know it's it's something that i did i had the one thing i got to do this year in 2020 uh back in january I had uh, my first solo art show at the Pearl River Gallery in Chinatown, New York, and it was. Um, I, I did a show on the Chinatown that I grew up with, but I brought the Monkey King into like eighties. Yeah,
0: I wish I would have known. I'd have come down for that. It was the worst
4: weather day uh, in New York that day. It was like snowing. <laughs> yeah, because you know nothing's allowed to go right in twenty twenty.
0: That's right. <laughs> That's right. They wanted to start off early.
4: But I had uh, I did a show of uh, the Monkey King in. 80s, 90s New York and everyone was, the show seemed to do pretty well and I I got a lot of requests to do a a comic for it. I had no intention of doing it until a lot of people started talking to me about it and uh, you know, so I'm doing that and I'm hoping uh, to do a couple, there's there's gonna be a few things that, it should be hopefully a little bit bigger than some of the other stuff I've done. Uh, Okay and you know right now I'm working on the, this China stuff with uh, the NBA um, right and I, I do this streaming thing with Panor Chang Jun Chong and Sean Chen like twice a week so, uh, around uh, so it's and, cer-
0: not- and certainly and certainly don't forget epicprops.com oh yes geez <laughs> <laughs> For uh, for some really really cool shirts and uh, prints and stickers and the whole nine, but uh, Jerry's got a lot of his original art up there, uh, or not his original art, but like his artwork on stuff, uh, and he does a lot of uh, a lot of really cool stuff, and also involves a lot of his uh, a lot of his cool art friends. <laughs> <laughs> How does he involve you then? Oh. Well, uh, you know, because he's, he's one of my cool art friends. See, because that's oh, how that works. Okay. I just want to make sure there's a connection <laughs> somehow.
4: Yeah, and you know, I'm doing this thing with Printed in Blood, Steve. Maybe you've heard of it. Uh, I have heard of them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I haven't. I don't know what's going on with that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Hassan's
0: <laughs> never heard of them, for God's sake. No, no. Um, no. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, uh, Jerry, Jerry's uh, always involved in our projects, and uh, or at least. Up till now, he, he always has been. And, uh, he's obviously always welcome, but, uh, listen, thanks Jerry. I appreciate your, I appreciate you take, taking a couple hours to, uh, to hang out with
2: us. Oh, this is awesome. This is a lot of fun guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Jerry, thanks for being on. Yeah. Thanks for the films. <laughs> Thank yeah. you for, for re for re me with the Shaw brothers. And then also inadvertently letting me know that they're, you know, almost their entire cal- calendar is on, uh, Amazon. Yeah, yeah. Which is which is good news and bad news. Yes, right. Because that's gonna waste a lot of my time.
4: In favor, look up Gordon Liu, um, Gordon Liu and Shaw Brothers. Yeah. You, you okay? You can cut, you can cut through a L I U. stuff. Gordon Liu is absolutely the most talented martial artist from the Shaw Brothers catalog. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with any of his films from the Shaw Brothers.
0: All right, so thanks to festleyandmusic.com. Please check out our website at cinementalpod.com for all the poster images we discuss on our Down the Tube segments. And don't forget to download and subscribe to Cinemental wherever you enjoy your podcasts. You can always listen to new episodes weekly at cinementalpod.com. Also, you can follow us on all major social media accounts at cinementalpod. For Asan Godwin, Latham Conger Third, myself and Jerry Ma, we say thank you so much for listening. And as always, in the words of our friend and fellow Kung Fu enthusiast, enthusiast (laughs) Truman Burbank.
1: Good afternoon. Good evening and good night.